This time on Chew Diligence, Fox and Pearl. Chef Von Good and Christine Hall talk about getting ready to move the restaurant to its new home and their journey from a butcher shop in Lawrence to the West Side neighborhood in KC. Welcome to our 22nd episode of Chew Diligence, Kansas City's food podcast that goes beyond the plate to talk about the people and places that make it so fun to eat in this town. Lindsay Shively in the 41 Action News podcast studio with Jill Silva. Hey, Jill. Hey, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. I We were talking about bringing back first the food where we've been around time to eat. Uh, Jill, tell us about the brisket. Oh, my gosh. I had brisket to die for. Um, not always a brisket fan, but this was really good. Tin Kitchen in Weston. Ugh. Have you been? No, and I've heard so much about it. Wow. I've heard a lot about it, too. Artie's been trying to get me up there for years, Artie Davis. And uh, I finally got up there. So this guy named Joe, not Joe's Casey, but just Joe, was on a barbecue quest. And he went and ate around barbecue restaurants for a year. And this was his number one brisket. Wow. So he had a little party and I went, he's right on. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, really good. I wish you could see my Instagram right now. Like go to Jill's Instagram, Jill Silva food, right? Yeah. Thick, thick slabs, Texas style. And it's served with a broccoli slaw. When do you ever feel like you've got the yin and the yang like that? Yeah, we always talk about the the truly great barbecue places have a little something different for the sides. You know that we love sides, right? So this other gentleman who was there uh, named Chip, he said, hey, I got a tip for you. And I'm like, okay. He's like, it sounds weird. Broccoli slaw. Get the broccoli slaw. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did. And um, yeah, and then the fries. Don't miss the fries. Haley's nodding. Haley, our producer... I have been trying to get you and Lindsay to go to this place for so long. I feel like I've talked to both of you about it. So I'm originally from Platte City, and it's not that far from Weston. And I feel like people down here in the Plaza, South KC area, feel like Weston is so far away. And it kind of is. So you have to be committed to go up there. And it's worth it for this food. And they're known for their fries. Well, not only the food, but what a cute downtown. I hadn't been downtown in a long time. I'd Mm -hmm. been eating on the periphery, you know, Mm because there's Green Dirt Creamery. There's uh, Great grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. Hearth uh, Bakery. You know, I'd been kind of going up there, but not actually getting into town. Mm -hmm. Another good destination spot. Destination spot in Weston is O'Malley's Pub. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, we'll go underground. And that's a lot of fun too. So the gentleman who owns Tin Kitchen used to own O'Malley's. It's oh really? Sean, it's Sean O'Malley. Yes, and I got to meet him too. Pitmaster Extraordinaire. Oh, we need to take a day trip to Weston. I've By been the way, telling you. I mean, <laughs> Haley does not enjoy speaking. We try to get her to talk all the time. She's so impassioned about this. She's like, this I will talk about. It's true. Thank you, Haley. <laughs> and spoken like a true Northlander, as I am as well. So I understand Weston is not that far it's away. It's not. <laughs> Tin Kitchen, folks. Uh, I was just telling them about, I, you know, the depth of sleep deprivation that I entered one day was level get me pizza now. So I got some pizza 51 at the slices that are enormous and it just hit the spot. It was one of those places we say this all the time. I'd been, I loved it. I hadn't been in a while. It's still delicious. Just what a mom needs <laughs> when she's Amen. not sleeping a lot, right? Exactly. Cheesy. Little carb load. Slices so big they have to slice the slice into slices. That's what we like. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, we have some really special guests in the studio. We have Christine Hall and Vaughn Good. Welcome, guys. Hi. Thanks for having us. We're so excited you're here. And full disclosure, we should say, Jill, you work with these folks, right? I do. Fox and Pearl is their restaurant opening soon. And we're having a good time getting it ready. In Kansas City, where is Fox and Pearl going to be? We're on the west side. We're um, we're in a temporary location now, but the new location is on the corner of Summit and Chavez. And that is coming, will be opening soon, maybe end of June-ish. Because timelines are perfect in restaurant world and everything goes yeah. according to plan. <laughs> yeah, construction is this thing that you can like set your schedule by for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why soonish. Soonish. Yes. Uh, talk about your journey to get here. Fox and Pearl is not your first restaurant. Uh, no, we had uh, Hank Charcuterie in Lawrence, and um, 
we opened, I think, in 2014 um, just as a butcher shop and a charcuterie. And we had, like, a little accessory kind of menu, just, you know, a few sandwiches or whatever. And um, that just really took over and kind of became, you know, the draw to the, the place. So we ended up moving the butcher counters out and putting a bar in and became a full restaurant. Um, but we always kind of had that, I don't know, perception of people that we were still a butcher shop. So we knew we needed to move, change locations, kind of rebrand. And so when we decided to do that, we figured to just make a big move and come to Kansas City. And I think um, it's the perfect time to come to Kansas City. We're yeah. popping down in that neighborhood that you, uh, the whole crossroads area on the west side. Um, Hank Charcuterie. I remember that a lot of people were saying, what's that word? They were afraid to say the word charcuterie. <laughs> Does that have anything to do with your new name? <laughs> uh I mean, we'll still have charcuterie, um, but yeah, it's not going to be our. <coughs> excuse me. Um, we'll still have charcuterie, but it, it's not going to be our main focus. Gotcha. What, where did you get the name Fox and Pearl? It's our two kids' middle names. Oh, yeah. This is a family affair. It is. It's one way to rope them into the business. <laughs> <laughs> it has your names in it, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> Give them an apron. Put there them in. You, go. you know. Let's see. Wait, how old are they? Four and two. Yeah, we're going to have to wait a little while. They can start with dishes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Stay in the back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, So what kind of food would you guys have? Um, Sorry. Um, Kind of like high-end Midwestern comfort food. I kind of struggle with a way to explain it. And I think the best thing we've come with so far is calling it Midwestern bistro food. Because it's uh, very rooted in, like, classical European cuisine mm-hmm. in French techniques and cuisine. But we really focus on local ingredients and kind of having this, like, Midwestern comfort food influence in what we do. Does that go back to your journey as a chef? Is that the training mixed with what you grew up eating? Or uh, Definitely. I, I mean, I would think so. I mean, when I went to culinary school... I was really focused on wanting to do, you know, molecular gastronomy and like very tweezered manicured plates and things. And, um, you know, kind of along that journey and and in school, I really got into charcuterie and, you know, butchery, meat fabrication, and just totally took a turn to a little bit more of a rootsy style of cooking. I like that word, rootsy. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like, write it down. Yeah. (laughs) It's really hard to, I think we've been going back and forth about how to describe Vaughn's cuisine, but some of the words that we've been talking about are authentic, rustic, rootsy. I'm I'm liking soulful. Cool. Um, We just had a breakthrough. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I think so. Um, But the charcuterie part is what you're known for. Right. You're kind of known as a meat guy. And we were talking about the menu recently. There's a whole lot on there that hasn't been there before. Let's talk a little bit about, Uh, you know, first the meat and then... (laughs) First the meat. First the meat. And then what else is going to be there? Because uh, vegetarians and, I guess, pescatarians can find something to love as well. Right. Um, I don't know. When we're writing a menu or when I start to write a menu, I just kind of think of stuff I want to eat or things I want to do and what's in season. And then I write the menu and really think about everything else secondary. But I think because the way we've designed the restaurant, like the new equipment we're going to use, it's really like come together as a a well-rounded menu. Um, I mean, out of like 27 items, I think we have like 11 that are vegetarian. Which is like it's a lot, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm very known for being meat centric, but I just think because you know local produce and, and things are happening at the time of the year, it just has lent itself to be a little vegetarian. Is that a challenge at all to come up with dishes that are meatless, or is that not at all? No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I just there's such an, a great abundance of of produce and product here that it's it's really not too difficult to do. Maybe harder in the winter. Ah. Yeah, yeah, a little harder <laughs> in the winter. But. Right? Uh, going back to when you opened a butcher shop, I, I keep thinking in the last, what, five years, we've seen a couple pop up here and there in Midtown, like Broadway Butcher Shop. When you started Hank Charcuterie, what led you to that? And how do you think 
the butcher shop world has changed, you know, from 50 years ago to now? Oh, I don't know. Um, well, what led me to it is I, I just really enjoyed, like, making sausage and, and, and the charcuterie things, and I just wanted to have a focus. Like, mm. I sort of wanted to get out of being a chef and just, like, concentrate on doing one thing really well. Mm. Um, so you started doing the charcuterie. Right. So, like, what were, what were some of the first things that you were making? I don't think I've ever even... Um, like, like on the menu or just in like the just when you case? first were starting to do charcuterie, like well, what was that like moment where you're like, wow, I want to focus on this because this is very cool. I think really probably just fresh sausages. I think that's where kind of where everybody starts out. But I just really liked, you know, having this project and seeing it from beginning to end and like having this you know awesome end result and and i think uh, you know the more you get into charcuterie and start doing dry curing and things like that and the process takes longer you're just like so much more into what you get at the end of it i don't know how to explain that better but yeah and i gotta i have to imagine that the process of starting with the root ingredient with the whole animal is something that kind of inspires this awe and respect too right yeah absolutely yeah we you know try to use everything like we we don't waste anything so Hmm. well and um Let's talk a little bit about the features of the new restaurant because one of the things is that you're going to have space to do whole animal butchery and curing. Oh, wow. and Right. Yeah. Um, so in our our like kind of basement area where we also have a have dining area, um, we built a, a prep kitchen that we're calling the charcuterie room. Is we're going to put big you know butcher blocks in the middle of it, and uh, we found um, in the basement an old walk-in probably from like the 20s or something and it was just in panels in your just, new space yeah it was just, hidden yeah yeah it was just a wooden panel like old walk-in like the, like the kind where you would just throw an ice block in it you know oh, wow. to like cool it so we put it back together and turned that into a uh, curing chamber oh that's amazing yeah. what, what kind of things can you cure by the way I'm thinking like salmon but I mean I'm sure right. there's a lot um well we're gonna do salamis uh like all different kinds, you know, some small muscle, like whole muscle charcuterie, like some copas and duck breasts and things like that. And then we sort of split it in two to have one side that's for longer fermentation, longer curing, and we're going to start doing our own prosciuttos and country hams. Oh, is that something you can get locally a lot of places here or no? Um, I don't know locally made. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure somebody doing it, but I'm not, you know not something everybody does in their restaurant right yeah Hmm. yeah so it's a really cool space down in the basement which sort of brings up the whole building um it's it's a really old interesting building and christine knows quite a bit about the history she keeps digging more and more up about that tell us a little bit about that building and how you guys came to find it in the first place yeah so we had kind of this serendipitous thing going on with the building um we were generally looking I mean, we hadn't even committed to a full, like, we are going to move to Kansas City. We actually, we were in Lawrence. Our kids were in Lawrence. We were comfortable in Lawrence. But we left our options open. But we had a friend that lived um, on the south side or the west side and would always walk by this building, which just had, like, it buried nothing, like a little sign that said, for rent, call. And she was like, I don't know why, but you need to call us this number and just check it out. And also, I want a tour. So, <laughs> like, four of us went and met the landlords. And, like, immediately, Vaughn and I were just like, this space is amazing. Hmm. It has 16-foot ceilings. We knew immediately. It was um, – so, backing up to your history question, it was originally a Swedish lodge. So, what we took – was the first floor, which is kind of like two storefronts, kind of shoebox size, um, and then part of the basement. And then, but the building itself has two floors above us. The second floor is now apartments, used to be like offices and like hmm. a prep kitchen. And then the third floor was their original ballroom and is now like a live workspace. But the, but the building is phenomenal, just really beautiful. And we just felt it immediately because... You walk in on the southwest corner and it's just flooded with light because you have these 12-foot windows with leaded glass. And there's something very magical, even in its very raw, unfinished state. It was it spoke to us. Um, and it had this little sliver of space 
um, in like an alley that we turned into a courtyard. I don't know. We just immediately could feel that it was right. And then we had this wonderful dialogue with the owners of the building and they understood our vision and actually were familiar with our food. And so I think that it ended up working out really well because they could see what we wanted and were willing to help us. Um, so yeah, but the building is, um, beautiful. It's been a lot of things. Uh, when it was constructed, it was the Swedish lodge. Then, um, it has been everything from a drugstore and a, a market like rest, like, um, uh, like a grocery store, a drug store, which we still have the tile on the corner for. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Our front door is um, you have to walk a threshold of drugs before you get into our <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> it's tiled with drugs. And we left it because it was just like we left. We tried it's to keep it. History. Yeah, totally. And we tried to keep it. Um, as true to the building as possible so we didn't do a lot i mean we obviously did a lot but we didn't we didn't do a lot to the architecture mm. so there are hints to the past throughout the whole space and we wanted to keep it that way how does that tie into the food that you guys make you think oh i think it's it ties in completely <laughs> there's because there's this like authenticness and a kind of history i think that you can taste in bond's food mm. um and i think that this space will represent that too it's and it's interesting. I think the space is going to be kind of polished and clean, but also very comfortable and inviting, mm. which I think you could say exactly those things for Vaughn's food. I hear you talk about Vaughn's food, and now I want to know the first time that you tasted his food and what you thought. Ah, so uh, Vaughn and I worked together at Pachamama's, and I, um, I'm pretty sure my first like encounter was something that he did specifically – and was like one of my very first days there. He did family meal, and mm. and he made uh, wasn't it chicken like fried chicken? Uh, uh, probably I'm pretty sure. I made a lot no, of there, no, there was, like, I don't know. No, I know, but there was something. Well, I because I'm a vegetarian, so I don't actually even eat most of the meat items. But um, he had made fried chicken, and everybody stopped everything they were doing, and a family meal is. You know, sometimes not the greatest because it's made with the leftovers and, you know, it's good. Um, but I'm talking everybody in the whole restaurant, like, was flocked to the table. But then we worked together there and I got to do a lot of things. And as we were working on, um, we did the catering menu together there. Or he worked on the catering menu while I did the, uh, was working on catering and event directing stuff. Okay. Um, so we, I did a lot one-on-one with him there before we moved to Hank. Absolutely. So at one point, we had a vegetarian and a butcher. Mm-hmm. Quite the pair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's shaking her head. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy, actually. But So are you the taste tester for the vegetarian portion of the menu then? Uh, I guess. I mean, I, I eat just about everything on the menu that isn't meat. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. I, sorry to go on a tangent about this, but I think this is so fascinating because I have friends that are vegetarian and pescatarian and sometimes have a difficult time um, feeling like they don't have to adjust things, you know. How has it been in Kansas City? Has it started to change more and more? Are you seeing more things pop up? Oh, for sure. No, um, I mean, I think it's something that any kind of dietary restriction is put on to yourself that you have to be more aware when you go out. So, yeah. I mean, I think that there is just a heightened awareness. But I think on the other side, I mean, a lot of menus are labeled now, mm-hmm. like the gluten-free, the vegan, the vegetarian, whatever. But I do think that there's just, as there is with like the the kind of farm-to-table kind of movement, I also think people are just becoming more aware of more ways of eating, I guess. Yeah. And not that you have to take something out, but that it by itself is good. Right. Mm, I like that. So, Vaughn, what... What's a vegetable dish that you made with Christine in mind? Um, <laughs> well, probably most of our pastas, I think, mm. is, is a good way to to start to craft a, a vegetarian dish. So, I, yeah. Like anything, she's not anything. a kohlrabi fan or anything like that, and you suddenly have to, like, figure out. She's what. a big egg fan, so big I can kind of put fan. an egg on anything. <laughs> I feel like I can it's satisfy Christine. Eggs and cheese. Yeah. Though I do oh, eat yeah. a lot of vegetables, too. Right. His Brussels sprouts, I put on everything. So nice. The Brussels sprouts are really, really awesome because they are just charred. I mean, I love that. And one of the features that is going to be in your new restaurant <laughs> 
um, is a hearth. Talk a little bit about your love of live fire. What is it? Solid fuel cooking. Right. I got new words. I got new <laughs> phrases here. Um. Well, I hadn't really done a lot of solid fuel cooking in a restaurant setting uh, until I opened Hank. And um, really how that came to be is I needed a bigger smoker to make all our bacon and sausages and stuff. And I was considering getting like a Southern Pride, like rotisserie kind of electric smoker that you just barely feed with wood and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my my grandfather about it, and he was like, oh, don't do that. He was like, come to my house. Like, I want to sh- show you something. So I, I went down to Oklahoma, and he took me over to his friend's house who was building smokers. He was like a retired welder, and, like, and he's like, this is what you need to do. You know, if, if you really want to smoke stuff, this is how you need to do it. So I did it and bought a big smoker, and I've, you know, never gone back since then. I just think that the the kind of the – Characteristic that and flavors that are like imparted by real wood, real mm-hmm. embers, and smoke, you can't fake that. And I think once I started doing that, it, it just really became like a key element in our cuisine. So, you are of the school of low and slow, then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Jill and I have had a whole podcast about low and slow versus the southern pride. And the, well, yeah. and I've even introduced Vaughn to Bill Cheney, so they, they've had some <gasps> yes. conversations. Yeah, yeah we've hung <laughs> here and there. The master him, or the yeah. brick builder himself. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. So, how long do you typically cook? I guess it's different for everything that you cook, but what, how long will it be in the smoker? Um, in the smoker, I mean, yeah, it depends what we're doing. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, up to. 12 hours, I wow. think, is kind of the longest thing that we do. Um, but the new feature in the restaurant is we really wanted to add to that. And, like, if we could add more live fire cooking, you know, more smoke. Um, so we built a big hearth. Um, it's about 10 feet long. So wow. h- half of our kitchen line is going to be solid fuel. Wow. Yeah. There's not a lot of people doing that in the back of the kitchen these days. Oh, it's not in the back of the kitchen. Is it? Can you see it? We have an open kitchen. <laughs> oh, you can. Yeah, it's part so of the cool. show. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool because uh, it's in a room that's going to have a long farm table. So, you know, you're seated there. You can watch everything Vaughn's doing, which means everybody has to like be on their best behavior, right, <laughs> Vaughn? Right. Like, yeah, I guess so. that'll be a change. <laughs> <for that side>. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean, they're out in the open. We've talked a little bit about this, how that feels to be sort of right in front of your customer. Right. On display. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, it's... Well, I mean, I think it, it's going to be awesome. Uh, even though that's not really my thing, I'm not a big social butterfly and uh, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to being in front of everybody all the time. But I think, you know, openness, transparency, mm. and kind of is a big thing for us. Mm. I, I think you should be able to see how your food is made and where it comes from. And I think people are really interested in that now. Like, mm-hmm. I think even if you're just looking through Instagram and, and whatever, like, I think restaurants are trying more now to show you the process. And I think the diners are really excited about that. So. And people have been able... Oh, go ahead, Christine. Oh, I was just going to say, on that note, just like another like barrier we're taking down is if in Vaughn's charcuterie room downstairs, it uh, has there's a door that connects it to a small little bar dining area. And we decided, we went round and round, but we decided to put a window in there. So as he's butchering or has, as they have prep things happening in there, diners and people just casually hanging out, having a drink can actually go and watch. So, wow. so it's an added level of like understanding what's happening. Do you think many people understand how the butchering process works or even what part of the animal to some extent that they're eating? You know what I mean? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think just from what I know from just being from Hank Charcuterie to here and explaining things to people, I think there's a lot of buzzwords that people like – get really scared of and then Mm. a couple of buzzwords that they're like oh that's the cool thing like we'll just eat that but they don't really have any idea like i don't i'm trying to come up with a an example um like head cheese Mm. head cheese has a very very bad connotation (laughs) people just shudder at the word but if you just call it terrine 
Everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. The, the pretty name. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's French. May <laughs> <laughs> we exactly? Yeah. <laughs> what else? What are other things that you guys will have on the menu that uh, might be outside of the typical comfort zone for somebody? Um, I don't know. I don't think too much, honestly. Mm. I, I think it, it's all pretty straightforward and, and welcoming. I mean, I don't know. I think. Uh, a little bit we're going to get outside of our comfort zone and and try some new things um i've had such a focus on local and like for so long that i've kind of not done any seafood or you know you know anything like that but we're gonna kind of dive a little bit more into that and see what we can get in local and we're starting with like some missouri trout and and things like that so i think that's going to be a pretty big shock to people who are are used to my cuisine and have been, you know, eating at Hank and, you know, the temporary Fox and Pearl. Let's talk about that because you got the new location is not open yet. No. But people have been able to come and eat at Fox and Pearl with you guys. Where are you and how has that been going? So we're up on the west side. Um, we're on 17th and Summit. So we are actually just five blocks from our permanent location. We're in um, an old house. It was actually last used by Novel. And uh, we've been there since the beginning of September, and our last day is actually going to be the 18th there. We're closing up. so 18th of, of, of May. May. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so we have a couple weeks left, and then we're going to start moving everything down, getting everybody trained up and playing with the fire, <laughs> whatever is required. And that can be a tough transition because, you know, how do you keep food ordered and make sure that everything is seamless, right? Like, how are you, how are you guys managing that? More head nodding. Yeah. Um, well, I think we've just been kind of keeping track of our inventory mm. so that hopefully we can run out of most of our things and not have to move it down. Yeah. Um, Something that's been really interesting that um, they moved into the neighborhood. They're living in the – not only are they oh. serving in the neighborhood, they're living in the neighborhood. Talk a little bit about the west side and what you like about it. We love the West Side. Vaughn calls it Sesame Street. <laughs> um, because? Because, so so we live one block, one and a half blocks from the current location. Um, and that lends itself very well to walking. Plus, we yep. have two kids. Um, so we very quickly became familiar with all the neighbors and all their dogs and their chickens. And we know all their names. <laughs> but it's really, I mean, it, it really is. It's a funny sort of small town vibe in the middle of the city. Like it's this really cool pocket neighborhood. And we're really excited to be a part of it. We've been meeting neighbors lately, um, corporate or and not corporate, nonprofit neighbors, I guess. Mm. Um, getting, you know, so Vaughn and Christine really want to get to know the neighborhood. And that means not only the neighbor's in the houses near them, but also um, Samuel Rogers is at Cabot Center is right, like they share a parking lot. Guadalupe Center is very close by. Oh, yes. And also Maddie Rhodes. So we've been kind of, you know, chatting with all of them, getting to know what they do and actually learning a whole lot about the West Side in the process. Like I did not know the extensive amount of services that both those agencies are offering so and did you guys know much about the west side are you are you from kansas city at all or how did you end up in lawrence and then kansas city um i'm from lawrence i've I've lived there most of my life uh you know moved away came back several times so i'm familiar with the area what about you Uh, i'm a transplant yes (laughs) um i grew up on the west coast but i've been in the area for about the last 10 years um mostly in the suburbs and then in Lawrence for the last six or so. And then here. Yeah. Actually the West side was when we first moved here, um, I was out in Johnson County and feeling very removed. I moved here from Seattle and I was feeling very removed from city. So, uh, we would take trips up and like just explore the city. And, uh, I always found myself in the West side, just stopping the walkability is mm-hmm. fun. And, uh, yeah, it's really a cool neighborhood. And, and it like, just in the last, I don't know, Joe, what do you think, 10 years, it's really, there's so many places to go on that little strip of West Side and Summit Street. Yeah, it's really been growing. I would say Bluebird Bistro kind of staked yes. it out early, mm-hmm. and then West Side Local came in, Chazelle. And, of course, there was always the um, Mexican 
Yes. Grocery there on the corner, which I hear, Vaughn, you really love their tamales. Uh, yeah, I, I go there a few times a week. Uh, Twice a day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Los Alamos, that, that's probably my favorite restaurant on the planet right now. But yeah. I love it. Yeah. You don't get obsessed or anything for like like one restaurant at a time? Like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what are some past obsessions? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've, he's moved on. Yeah. yeah. Right now, yeah. it's Molly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Christine, backing up to Seattle, let's talk a little bit. You have a design degree, and I'm just fascinated. Now, you did a lot of the work on what the restaurant's going to eventually look like, but I don't think I knew you had a, a degree in design. So, talk yeah. a little bit about how you. <laughs> yeah, another used life that. ago. Um, yeah. So, yes, I did architecture and interior design, and I did that in Seattle. And I just kind of hit like a midlife crisis per se, um, and then took a little detour away, um, and I ended up here, and didn't think I was staying very long. And so, as you do, you jump back into hospitality business where it's a little bit more transient, and you can kind of come and go. Um, but I kind of obviously I got back into it, and then I really got back into it right but um but yeah but design has always been a part of it I when I started doing Hank with Vaughn I mean he pretty much had already decided what Hank was going to be but um I was always drafting things for him or helping design the menus or you know rearranging floor plans layouts and that sort of thing always finding where the plants go well, and now that, I mean, local restaurants are really just so on fire, I feel like the aesthetic is so important to the experience when people come in. Is there pressure to pick something that some, nobody's ever seen before when it comes to paint colors or, you know, how'd you tackle that? Um, I tried to put that all out of my mind because it can Smart. be totally overwhelming. Um, I actually, well, luckily I have a good team. Vaughn has pretty darn good taste. I'll give him credit <laughs> for that. Um, and then, uh, the owner of the building is helping us with the construction. Um, and he brings this very interesting art dynamic because he know he's like a, an old, uh, art guy and knows a lot of artists. So he brings a lot of, um, cool artisans to the table. Um, but truly my design there was, I wanted it to feel timeless. I knew mm. kind of after owning one restaurant, we kind of knew what worked, what didn't work, what we would want to do in their next life. And we kind of just put it all together into like a package if like we had I don't know the perfect restaurant what would it look like and feel like um without being too like set in today we don't want in five years to remodel or redo painting you know or that sort of thing so really we just it's it's truly a minimal palette Mm -hmm. it's just leather and velvet and um (laughs) and some wood and steel and iron and it's we just are using plants as like a like a to add warmth and de- decoration without adding like a bunch of photographs or pictures on the walls. And also, there's a, a huge music component. I think. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your musical tastes, because uh, Vaughn actually tried to name one of their children Waylon. So. Yeah, Christine wasn't having that. <laughs> For Mr. Jennings, yeah, <clears throat> it could have been a girl or a boy. He didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, I don't know. I've just always been a big music fan. And um, I don't know. It's weird. I'm trying not to get into conversation of where you find inspiration and things like that. But mostly for me now, when I'm trying to write a menu or thinking about food, I think that, like, my attitude and my mood is so much more important than, like, anything else when I'm looking for inspiration, and I think music plays a big part in that, Mm. you know? You listen to the right piece of music, it's going to put you in a a different mind frame, you know? So that's just always been a big thing. Um, So we're uh, putting a nice sound system in the restaurant, but it's all vintage, like just to kind of the sound system itself. Yes, yeah. Oh, so cool. all our speakers are from the seventies, and we're wow. like all like uh, powered by like tube amps and stuff like I that. I just want to yeah. interrupt and say the very first purchase of the whole project 
was the speakers. Wow. <laughs> the very first. Is this like it sounds better on a record? Same kind of deal? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're, exactly. We're going to play a lot of vinyl. We, yeah. yeah. And that's all. I didn't know. I don't know if you knew this, but at the temporary location, that's all we have for a sound system no. is a record player. Oh. Well, and it is a huge part. You notice when you're sitting there with a meal and you want to have a conversation and there's no music. Right. And you feel like everyone can hear you or you can't hear anything. Right? Or the opposite. And it's, it's too, too loud. loud. It's too loud. It's too so loud. finding that happy medium. So when you go in now, they have all these albums, right? Crates of albums there. And sometimes they have a, a really fun guy named Trip hanging out, <laughs> um, picking picking some songs. And last time I was in, he told me that there's a song, something like... I. Ode to Jill or something like that. And I'm like, no, you're making that up. There is no song that, you know, because Jill's just not a really good singing lyric. <laughs> um, he never did find it, but I'm going to hold him to it. Eventually he'll find it. But uh, there, there's great music there. And so it's it's a wide variety. Talk about like what you like to listen to and how you've acquired some of these these albums. I mean, um, well, I- I don't know. I guess I'm not really genre specific. Like mm-hmm. I listen to lots of genres of music. It's just more like the artist inside that genre that like kind of attracts me. But um, I mean, ever since Trip has been hanging out with us, he, Trip comes and DJs every Friday night. And Trip, give the background on Trip. Okay, uh, he's something else. Trip Hogue. He he works uh, for Boulevard. Boulevard. He oh. he just retired last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to be doing a lot more DJing, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> he said if his wife allows. Right. You better cozy up to her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, what, and what kind of things is he DJing? Is this? Well, he's a big reggae fan. So we now have, you know, crates of, of reggae in the restaurant. And so I, I had always, you know, been introduced to reggae, but not really dived into it. And so now I'm, that's kind of a thing for me i'm getting into reggae a lot but. Oh, that, I mean, the music creates a whole vibe doesn't it right. for the whole experience right you're also going to a concert are we ever going to hear any of that music no <laughs> <laughs> what concert? Christine. so tell us tell us about this one fascination he has with something christine will not let you play <laughs> oh he can play it just not doing service oh, okay um vaughn uh, also loves metal and particularly doom metal which is fine and good but nobody wants that kind of an epic <laughs> adventure while they're eating yeah. <laughs> but um, i think it sort of speaks to the versatility of the chef right yeah. you know like that he's inspired by so many different kinds of music what's the other end of that spectrum that you like too what would be your like uh, totally opposite right. from doom metal <laughs> um i don't know i guess like like old folky country or mm-hmm. old folky blues. Like yeah. I'm really into like you know, like Lefty Frizzell, like old country like that, or like old blues like Mississippi John Hurt kind of things. I love it. Yeah. That's fun. I'm really drawn. I'm like staring at your hands. You have really beautiful tattoos. Are there any that have a cool story to share? Uh, You know, all of them do, I guess. <laughs> right? And some of those stories could just be like, oh, that looks cool. I really want to get that. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Not really. I don't really have any like cooking significant tattoos. Well, that's say. okay. If yeah. Not cooking. yeah. She's shaking your head again. You, what's the story you like about them? Um, so uh, we had one of our uh, chefs that worked with us at Hank Charcuterie passed away, and mm-hmm. Vaughn actually has his names tattooed on his knuckle. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, yes, so. they do have significance. Absolutely. He's just a private person. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfectly okay. Yeah. So that was, that was a, fr- a friend that worked with you for a long time. Yeah, Lawrence, um, right? he was actually our, our my first uh, sous chef or, mm. you know, kind of like it, when we started, it was just me and Jay. And uh, uh, I think we'd been open for about a year and he just had suddenly passed away. Had uh, I, think, I believe it was like pancreatitis or just something that came up like you know, out of the blue, he was oh. really young. And, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And now uh, you have a really awesome young chef de cuisine who has some great roots. Yeah. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Isaac. Okay. Well, uh, Isaac Hendry is my chef de cuisine, and uh, he actually tried to get a job with me uh, probably the first few months that Hank was open, and he came to the back door and 
uh, I was kind of just like, I didn't really need any help at that time. It was just me and Jay. And uh, I sort of like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll call you back if I ever need anybody. And it sort of forgot about it or whatever. And then maybe a year later, I was at a restaurant, and he was working there, and he just came out from the kitchen and came to the table and was like, do you need anybody? <laughs> and I'm like, sure, man. Like, <laughs> you've been so persistent. At the, it's a good quality. Yes. yes. Let's, let's, try, let's try this out. And um, he's just a really committed uh, young cook, very into it, very well-rounded. And, uh, yeah, I think Isaac's going to be kind of one of the leaders of – kind of a next generation of cooks. That's got to be so hard because, you know, being a chef is, is being an artist and it's hard to duplicate yourself for art. So how, right. how do you guys work together to say, to maybe be on the same page and then maybe offer a little bit of freedom too? You know what I mean? Um. Well, I think Isaac really understood what I wanted to do. Like, because first he was a patron of Hank. Like he would come in and eat all the time. So he really understood it. He had, he'd, cooked at a lot of places um so when he came on with me um like he just naturally jumped into what i was doing i i don't know it's kind of hard to yeah. explain oh, yeah he's uh he, isaac actually was trained at the broadmo bistro for you know his yes. very early years yeah and then he he wrote um I'm trying to get everybody's bio together, and he wrote one, and I was really touched by what he wrote. He's like, I just knew I had to work with Vaughn. Oh. So he just kept at it and kept at it and kept dining there and kept saying, I need to be where Vaughn's at. So I, I think that's a you know great yeah. testament to um, you know somebody who really wants to cook Vaughn's style of food, and I'm sure a lot of chef de cuisines or sous chefs Really, they're eyeing the top spot, right? They want to move right. on, <laughs> right? But Isaac seems pretty happy right now, um, yeah. you know, w- with the teamwork that they're doing. There's also a member on their team who they worked with at Pachamamas, and um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Richard Garcia is going to be their general manager and wine steward. And Christine, you can probably tell us a little bit about Richard's um, background and kind of where he's going with the wine menu. Yeah, so we we all met at Pachamama's um, years ago before Hank. And um, he went on to work at many other restaurants doing um, uh, both uh, front of house general management and then he also simultaneously was working on his sommelier. So we lucked out because our paths, once we knew we were coming to Kansas City, we we called him up and he was very much not available. Mm-hmm. But we planted a seed, I think. So the second he was, he actually came back for us. Um but we are very lucky to have him. He is a sommelier. He's a great front of house manager, um, general manager. He um, is taking our wine program into the natural wine direction, oh. which we feel like is a very good, um, a very good pairing with our food. Um, so that our like our entire menu will have this um, feeling of like. Um, responsibility maybe or Hmm. like all of our we know where our food comes we know where our wine comes from we know what's in all of these things um so yeah that's been really fun i was gonna say natural wine sounds like a an obvious name but are there certain characteristics that make it natural um you know i mean it's organic biodynamic um sometimes old world uh single processes Hmm. things that don't have a bunch of so wine actually because you don't think it you does. You don't think right. about it, but there can be so many pesticides or um, they add so many chemicals to the process to change the wine and manipulate it in a way that um, – to get the results they want. But this is just taking it back like a step and looking at more like like the historical wines, wines that um, are like old world wines. Mm. Um, but also there are a lot of new vineyards doing the natural wine. Yeah, I've heard that word a lot lately. Natural wine. Well, it really complements what's going on with the food. And the other thing I don't think we've talked about is your farmers. You have pretty tight relationships with farmers. And I know a lot of chefs, uh, you know, you say farm to table, and they they have good relationships. But how have you gone about, um, you know, keeping your – I'm sure you have relationships <laughs> from Lawrence, but also building new ones here in Kansas City because I'm right. sure you're learning about new folks all the time. Right. Well, I just sort of started building relationships with farmers by going to the farmers market and, and meeting them, trying products. And and in Lawrence, 
I was, you know, working in a restaurant and we, we used quite a bit of local products, but mostly just for like specials and, and things like that. And so I would go to the farmer's market and I, I knew that it was totally possible to open a restaurant that was almost 100% local, mm-hmm. you know, depending on season. Obviously, you know, in this area, February and January, it, it's pretty hard. Especially this February. Right, <laughs> yeah. But with, you know, preservation techniques, you know, we, we try to can things and, mm. and, and, you know, all these things. We can, you know, do the best that we can. But um, I'm also not a chef that where I want everything designed just for me. I, I think maybe creatively – uh, that's that's not good for me, like to like grow this this size or whatever. So my sort of relationship with the farmer is like, you tell me what you've got, and mm-hmm. and I'll build a menu around it. I think that like maybe having some sort of limitation or you know is better for my creative process or whatever. Oh yeah. yeah. Does that mean the menu is, will change occasionally or? Yeah, um, it's going to change quite a bit. Okay. Um, at Hank and we always change the menu seasonally like mm-hmm. you know like four, four times a year and then there would always be specials of course you know every day but i think with this menu we're kind of getting rid of that idea i think that's kind of been a thing for a long time is you know you change your menu you know fall summer whatever i'm just going to constantly change it mm-hmm. so because there's inside of a season like you know it's spring there's asparagus but asparagus isn't available all spring so right. when that's gone, then we pull that dish out and put a new one in. So we're never going to, like, just change the whole menu again. It'll just be kind of item by item, day by day. And fresh that way. Yeah. Oh, very cool. So give us some examples because I just got a sneak peek of the menu. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's what's your favorite thing you're most excited to serve somebody? Um, I don't know. That's a tall I, order. That's I tough. mean— I'm excited about the whole menu, but I'm really excited about what's going to come out of it once we start playing with the hearth and, and playing with the fire a little mm. bit more. I think that that's going to really change our cuisine a little bit. We'll just have to see, you know. Do you know what kind of wood you want to use? Um, different one? woods for different stuff. For different um, the hearth, we're going to fire with oak and then a little bit of fruit woods. Just for flavor. Um, Our smoker, we fire it for heat with oak, and then we use hickory for flavor. Okay, so one of the things I was (laughs) – your food is so beautiful. Your Instagram account is really beautiful. And Lindsay, do (laughs) you follow this? Yes. So it has such a distinctive look. Um, It feels not overly fussed with, but very beautiful. And I have to say, some of it, not all of it, but some of it is that darn plate you use. <laughs> it's it's such a, a beautiful plate, and it's a local artisan. Let's talk just a little bit about how you stumbled into that, because I think it's become such a signature of what your food looks like on social media. Cool. Um, yeah, so our all of our plateware is made by um, artist in Michael Crouch in Lawrence. Um, I found him through a friend who has a coffee sh- coffee shop in Lawrence and was getting, you know, cups made by Michael. And uh, so I reached out to him and he'd, he'd never done plates before. Huh. And so I just sat down with him, kind of told him what I wanted and, and designed this, this plateware with him. And uh, yeah, I think it's really taken on, you know, a life of its own and become really part of what we do. Sort of hang uh, uh- it was Hank Ware. Is he going to change the name now that, like, it should be Fox and Pearl Ware? I mean, it's sort of like it's sort <laughs> yeah. of like a line almost. No, it wow. is a line. Yeah. I, I think he's since changed his Instagram back to just Michael Crouch Pottery. But, <laughs> but it was Hank Ware but for a while? It was yeah. Hank Ware oh, wow. for a little while, yeah. <laughs> well, so I have cool. a funny story about this. So I fell so in love with Vaughn's plates, and I was doing Thanksgiving for the Star years ago. And I called him up and I said, hey, I want to feature you, but also I'd like to feature those plates. Where do I go? So I go to interview Michael and he's got this little tiny house. I call it the Habit House because it's a mud hut kind of thing that oh, okay. constructed with a very low ceiling. And it's kind of where he just shows off all of his pottery. And um, he has the kiln in the backyard. It's super cool to go visit him. Anyway, we're in this little 
little uh, showcase showroom, and I said, I really need a platter for the turkey, which I think, Vaughn, you were actually doing the recipe for me that year, I think. Right, yeah. Yeah, and so I said, so I got this, uh, I've got this turkey recipe from Vaughn, what, do you have a platter? And he said, no, I'm sorry, I don't have time to do a platter, I don't do big platters, and everything that he'd done for the restaurant was too small, Mm. and I look across the room and I go, what is that? And it's this, he said, that's a sink. (laughs) And so I actually used a sink to, as I said, nobody knows. I plugged up the hole with (laughs) tinfoil and laid that lovely turkey in there. And that was the cover shot for our Thanksgiving issue. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it was really fun. Like a giant porcelain or ceramic. Yeah. And I just, I have always loved that look. Yeah. And now I see it being copied, Vaughn. I see a lot of people <laughs> going after those plate bowls, whatever we call those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's not concerned. Just the shrug. You know, yeah. it makes sense that it's important, though, because it's the canvas for the food that you've created. Right. right. Yeah. So did you ever think about white as a canvas or did you just immediately go to like natural? No, I immediately went to natural. White seems a little bit too white tablecloth. Stark. You know, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. our style. And your style's pretty laid back as I think we've been conveying. But what what do you expect people to wear when they drop by your restaurant? Um, anything they want to. That's a good question, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, it's truly, I mean, it's casual. So it's as, it's as fancy as you'd like and as casual as you'd like. If you want to show up in flip-flops, that's fine. But if you want to get dressed to the nines, you can do that too. That's what I love about walking in is it just doesn't really matter what I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> but the food's always fancy. The food's always great. I wouldn't say fancy. I mean, it just, it's non-intimidating. It's very approachable. I think. Yeah. Very approachable. And I just cannot let this go without talking about fried chicken. Cause I've had like a revelation. <laughs> really? I had his fried chicken last week. I don't know why I haven't had it before, but well, I mean, we know Christine thinks it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's she just, eats the cornbread. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. And it's just, uh, it's just got this wonderful, crispy crust on it. You know, like that is just so hard to get right. So, so how did you, how did, did you like have terrible luck and then figure the secret or did you go right to the recipe? How did you make that happen? No, we just did it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's pretty traditional. We, we brine our chicken and then uh, we do a, um, an egg wash and f- and flour dredge, and it, it's like a seasoned flour, and and that's deep fried, and that's that's pretty much it. Christine, I feel like Vaughn's very humble chef. Is that how you would describe him? Sometimes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like these very complicated, cool things, and you say, "Well, we just we yeah. just did it, yeah. right?" Yeah. Yeah. Well, fried chicken is not. I mean, is it your grandma's recipe? No. We deep yeah. fry. My grandma always did like skillet, like pan fried mm. chicken. So yeah. Okay, and you deep fry? Yeah, we deep fry. Okay, yeah, it's just um, lovely crispness. So awesome. Shatters, you know, it's just great. Ah, I love that. Well, to get some fried chicken at Fox and Pearl after the 18th, stay tuned because you guys are. I mean, weeks away, right? Very close. Yeah. Yeah. Sometime in June, we're hoping ish. Mm-hmm. Okay, stay Ish. tuned. Check the social media channels. I'm on your Instagram right now looking at all these pretty plates, too. You guys, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Well, I'll see you again. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Joe. Thank you, Lindsay. It was really fun. 